My guest today, Emil Kenziora, is a medical doctor. He was involved in cancer research early in his career. In the past 10 years or so, he founded and ran a bunch of tech companies in outsourcing, data analysis, medical network, telemedicine, remote diagnostics, and more. Some of his ventures include Madeleine's, On Feedback, Solid Media, and the Berlin Startup Map. He's been an enthusiast of longevity and life extension, which is why he studied medicine in the first place. Emil is president of the board at the European Biostasis Foundation, co-founder and CEO of Tomorrow Biostasis, a company dedicated to offer subscribers the chance to get an extra life. That's right. Today you can pay 30 euros per month to potentially get a second life somewhere in the far future. Enjoy the chat. Emil, um, could you really quickly describe your background, um, what you're, you've been up to the past five to 10 years and uh, what brought you to what you're doing currently? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. First of all, thanks for having me. Um, so my background is in medicine. So originally when I was, when I was, well, when I was 18 or 19, I started to study medicine um, with the, the goal of going into this long-term uh, longevity and life science, uh, sorry, longevity and life extension sector. And after studying medicine and during, during studies, um, I was very involved in cancer research, but then did a bit of a, a detour over the last few years in running tech companies, um, relatively broad from, from outsourcing agencies to data analysis companies. And the last one was a, was a medical network with a um, basically in, in this telemedicine and, and um, um, remote diagnostic field, also with house calls. But as I mentioned, my passion was always in this longevity and life extension space. And um, sometime in, in 2019, I, I decided that this is something that I will do now full time and, and um, will move back into this field, so to speak. Um, and then at the end of 20, 2019, um, I left my managing director position at my last company, um, stayed on the board for a bit, but um, full-time from the beginning of 2020, I'm, I'm building a company in the longevity and life extension space. Um, and, um, I mean, the, yeah, the, go ahead. The, sorry, and the, there is such a space now because five years ago, at least in Europe, there was no like industry to talk about right yeah this has grown significantly over the last years i mean there was something there also 10 years ago right so i just recently um got back in contact with a guy uh, orbit gray who of course is very um very known in the space and um we just uh, we saw that we emailed 12 years ago or something the first time like when i was just starting out with med school or even 13 years or something like that i think 07 um so, so th there was stuff going on back then as well, but it was, of course, at that point, significantly smaller and not necessarily an industry or not necessarily a, a real field, just more certain people doing stuff in this space. And as, as you mentioned, over the last years, it has indeed grown significantly um, with, with companies like Google getting involved with, with Calico, um, with the Chan Zuckerberg initiative from, from Mark Zuckerberg and, and, um, and his wife um, getting into the space and a, a lot of serious and significantly bigger players than this it used to be um, have gotten into the, involved in the space now. It would be uh, cool to get into the details of like who is doing what exactly and sure. what aspect everybody is you know uh, more excited about. But first, maybe could you give me like um, um, 
ground zero of what's possible today. So for somebody out there who's like uh, listening to this, like, what is cryopreservation and what can you do today? Right. So, I mean, these are two different topics, right? Uh, cryopreservation is is an alternative, so to speak, to the longevity and life extension space. And the reason why I got in, in, involved in that space is exactly due to the question that you just mentioned, like what is possible right now, right? And then the second point, of course, being what arguably will be possible tomorrow and the day after and, you know, in 10 years or in 20 years. Um, because from a, from a longevity and life extension standpoint, and when I say longevity and life extension, I don't necessarily mean, I don't necessarily only mean living healthy uh, and, and physically active and so on till, let's say, 85 or 90. But I also yeah, mean... Just the definition is like, what do you mean? Yeah, yeah do meaning mean significant... Like 20 years, you mean... Yeah, living, basically living, expanding, extending maximum lifespan, right? Over the last years and, well, centuries what has increased is the average lifespan, right? Exactly. So you know, 60 years ago, 100 years ago, people were living to, to, to 40. 40 was average, uh, was average lifespan, I think, in, the 19, uh, in 1900. Um, so, so what has increased significantly and has actually doubled almost in at least the Western countries um, was average lifespan. What has yeah. not increased significantly or at all is maximum lifespan. Right, the maximum lifespan is still for for you know, the 99 percentile is somewhere between. I mean, I, I don't have the the numbers on top of my mind, but yeah, somewhere between yeah, 90 and 100 probably, right? And yes, then maximum is somewhere at 120, right? Exactly. And like there seems to be like a hard limit on on this. Yeah. Uh, biologically, in a way, um, and, and that's something that people just accept. Uh, like, do you think that there's something fundamentally uh, limiting us to live? beyond that you know uh, magical number the hundred or or is it just like a, a bunch of problems that we can solve you know technologically yeah so t to to what is known so far it seems to be that there is no magical number that is just you know this is it and there can never be anything longer than that right i mean people have been living longer than 100 right there's a lot of reported cases in the 120s and so on right i mean when i say a lot i mean like i don't know two a year or whatever right where people die in these in these age groups or in these ages um but arguably there is no fundamental limit right um and i think a good kind of a good picture a good visualization is is really here driving old cars Right. I mean, if you don't do anything for a car, a normal car, you know, breaks down after, let's say, 20, 30 years. Right. But then again, we have cars that have been driven in the 1900s and that are still driving today. And True. I think everybody can readily imagine that these cars could drive for another 500 years. Right. If you just replace stuff and keep them, keep them well, well maintained, well, well oiled and whatever it might be. Um, and of course, the, the human body is significantly more complex. But then again, is it fundamentally different? And well, I would argue it is isn't. It, right? Um, there is something about death that has always been on my mind. Like, why are there organisms that die? Like, wouldn't it be evolutionary uh, uh, a good thing for some uh, to like not die, to just clone or or and and so like this is something that that's been on my mind. Like, is there something? that evolution took care of for us and, and made us die because because it was actually the, the optimum solution or 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 it was there uh, probably just like a hard limit that biology could not could not uh, come over mm -hmm. 
I mean, I mean, evolutionary dying is probably a good thing, right? Because how would evolution otherwise work, right? You, you, exactly. as a species, you want to be able to not use up resources for those organisms that have not made the new whatever the the, the, the new well mutation that is beneficial yeah. to you know spreading into other areas and whatever, right? So evolutionary dying is is, is a necessity, um, but then. Humanity has not really. You know, we we don't really care as as, as a yeah. species anymore. What's evolutionary sound, right? And and for good reasons. Um, and then the other point being, right? I mean, there are organisms that are practically don't have uh, an end of life, right? There are these certain types of jellyfish um, that practically. Pract- I mean, it depends on depends, of course, on the mechanism. Yeah, Some have, life, yeah. yeah, but they they are they are biologically practically immortal. Um, Exactly. Yeah. Um, and so, um, so I think in, it's a good idea to try to live longer. I think life is amazing. I think it would be wasting a lot of resources if you, if we did not try that. Throwing away life is kind of a sin to my mind. And um, I'm, I'm, I'm with you here. I'd like to live as long as possible, as healthy as possible. But it just, just might be that uh, a radical life extension will not get us there. Maybe, just maybe, uh, 50 years from now, there's going to be no solution to uh, biological immortality. And uh, if I can choose between living forever and not living forever, I think I would choose to continue another uh, thousand years, maybe, um, enjoying this life. So my question goes, goes to you. Um, do you think... And this is just like a hypothetical uh, argument here. Do you think that um, we we have better chances to reach this technological breakthrough where Mm -hmm. we can live forever? Mm -hmm. Or we will have to first uh, freeze ourselves to wake up in a future where we will actually have all those breakthroughs? You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Sure. So, so first of all, forever is a very, very long time, right? So, so forever, I don't know, right? Forever is is um, significantly longer than I, I personally can imagine. But let's argue, okay, so how can we live, let's say, triple, quadruple, five times as long as we could? Yeah, let's, right? let's put a number on it. Let's you say know, whatever, 500 years. Yeah, right? 500 years or whatever it might be, right? This is very difficult to predict, of course, but... but significantly, even maybe an order of magnitude longer than we currently do, right? Um and, and, and of course, the the longevity sector, or the life extension sector, has the claim here of saying, okay, so you know, medical progress advances, and now we are in a, in a time where we use you know from machine learning to you know data, large scale data analysis, and whatever else might be, and CRISPR, and, and a long list of new tools that will now enable us to live significantly longer because we're basically going to break the code of whatever causes us to yeah. die currently, right? And it's, of course, a long list. It's not one thing probably, but it's probably a long li- list of things that need to be solved. Now, my argument, of course, is that um, while I very much hope that these guys are all right and I very much hope that I'm wrong, um, I, I don't think I am. And, and my, my position being that um, it will take significantly longer until we are able to extend um, maximum lifespan, let's say by 50 years or by 100 years or, or a significant number, right? And of course, I might be slightly biased here because my background is in cancer research. And of course, the, if there's one sector that every 10 years says, you know, 10 years in the future, 
um, we're going to have cancer, cancer solved, right? Then that's cancer research, right? So you're betting that it's probably um, not going to be possible in our lifetimes to oh, yeah. to have this, you know, maximum lifespan extended to significantly, right? So your best yeah. bet to uh, live an order of magnitude longer is still a cryopreservation. Um, in plain English, it means to putting you uh, to freeze you, basically. And yeah, I mean, colloquial people always say freezing, right? Even even though the largest part of the technology that we're using is in fact to not freeze anything right so so basically pro- pr- practically everything and whenever i give interviews or there if there's a if there's an article there's always this picture of a block of ice right and we always try to tell them hey guys like could we use another picture and they're like yeah but what right so so um in in the end the the technology that is being used um to to cryopreserve someone is in fact to to not freeze anything because the logic here being that if you freeze something, ice crystals form, like microscopic ice crystals that didn't grow larger. And these ice crystals um, are detrimental to, to the, the structure of the tissue, right? Of, of you know, the brain structure, whatever you might be talking about. These ice crystals just physically destroy the, the, the connections of, for example, the neurons, right? Exactly. So what you, what you in fact do is um, you use ultra low temperatures and so-called cryoprotective agents which are practically medically antifreeze solutions, which through a, a, a variety of mechanisms stops water from freezing. In, in, this, in this way, you, you reach a state which is called vitrification. So a vitrified state, which is a super cooled state that has a, a, a glass-like amorphous structure or, or leads to a glass-like amorphous structure that preserves the structure as it as it was before starting to cool down, right? And it is and a solid thing. So, so basically, if you vitrify a person, for example, it, this person will be solid, right? So, like, it looks like the person has has solidified, except it has yeah. not frozen technically. So, yeah, it's it's technically like physically speaking, it's not a solid, right? Like, it's from a from well, a is glass solid, right? Well, well, technically it isn't, right? Te- technically, but like, like practically speaking, yes, it is like a, um, um, it, it's like a solid. By, so by, if if you if you knock on my my body uh, as I'm already vitrified, it's gonna it's, it's gonna be like a hard object, right? Uh, yes, pro- yes, it, it's probably. I mean, I haven't done that, but I would assume that that is the case. Yeah. Okay. So the the point, um, and and so at the company that you're working for, uh, the the foundation. Um, is there like an actual uh, solution that you can offer to people? Can you tell me, hey, Levy, you can come tomorrow, pay the price, and uh, get, your, get yourself frozen, frozen, yeah, vitrified. So, so, exactly. So, so that is exactly the idea, right? So the, the, the fundamental logic is, practically speaking, that there are currently diseases that by current medical technology are not curable. And again, cancer is a good example. Heart disease is a good example. Alzheimer's is a good example. Whatever it might be, right? Of course, a part of these diseases, and arguably all of them, will be curable in the future, right? So if you're being diagnosed with any of these currently terminal diseases that will lead inevitably to your death anytime soon, right? Then all this future longevity technology that might come around come around at some point will not help you because you will not be around at that time. So... The, the only the only other option how you kind of in quotation marks can bridge this gap into the future is by a by a technology called cryopreservation and or biostasis which basically means 
you keep the the structure and most importantly of course the brain the part that makes you you right and me me and uh, that kind of encodes our our personality and and generates our consciousness and so on you keep that around the best way you can until then future technology can cure the underlying diseases and can um, also resuscitate you and revive you right and Great as you about. mentioned, yeah. So the company that I'm that I'm running, the company that I founded, um, is offering that as in quotation mark a product, right? So if someone says, "Hey, this is a topic that I'm interested in, and this is a topic that I would like to have done," if something serious and and if any terminal disease happens to me, or if I just die of old age when I'm 80, but I might not want to die at 80. I might live, might want to live on to whatever 150, 200, 300, whatever it might be. Well, then um, the company that I'm that I'm building or that I'm running um, is offering just that. What is the name of your company? So it's Tomorrow Biostasis. It's a it's a company based here in in Berlin in Germany um, that is currently serving Germany, Austria, and Switzerland, and uh, will soon expand to the rest of Europe. When I say soon, maybe in a year or two. So not super soon, but at least the goal is to expand to to the rest of Europe as well. That does all of that from basically handles this whole process from A to Z. And uh, are you already uh, uh, subscribing clients as of today? So can I can I sign up tomorrow? And uh... yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, so so the process is pretty simple, right? You you just go to the webpage tomorrowbiostasis.com. Um, you, we're more than happy to answer all your questions. So I'm more than happy to take a call with whoever who is interested and might have some some questions about it and so on. But once all your questions are answered and you actually decide, okay, so this is in fact something that I would like to do, then you can just sign up with a relatively simple online sign-up. Um, not simple as in regards to sample to an app, but you also need to answer a lot of medical questions and so on, of course. Um, yeah, and then you signed up. So I thought this interview in part could be answering some of those questions that people who could sure. have who might want to try this out. Um, do you have currently... Um, cryopreserved people in biostasis sitting in your uh, facilities so no not so in in our facility we do not um, due to the fact that our average customer age is 34 and of course statistically speaking 34 year olds don't die that often right so um, yeah so we're, we're gonna have for a long long time we're gonna have significantly larger amounts of customers than we have what in this whole sector is called patients so people who are cryopreserved and um well then do you have the the technological uh, requirements to do this so like um if your average person is only gonna die in 60 years then can they trust you right like you have not done this yet on people is that correct so um, so not under the umbrella of our organization. But, of course, there, there are cryopreservation cases in which we are involved in Europe or in Germany regularly, right? So, so there's a difference to... Yeah, so, so these cases happen regularly. And um, even though if these cases might not have been customers with us before... We're still helping out of these cases. And for example, we're more than happy to lend our, our equipment to anybody and also be involved in these cases and so on and so on. Because to a large degree, there, there is a moral obligation to make sure that these cases go as well as they can. Mm -hmm. uh, and 
we might be a bit better funded than um, other organizations in Europe. So, so um, we're more than happy to help in these cases. So even though there will not be cases with our customer base anytime soon, apart from the fact that we have a constant influx of, you know, where let's say the 35-year-old person signs up and then they bring their father or their mother in. And of course, they're significantly older. Um, so it, it's, it's likely that these indirect cases will be our first patients. From an experience standpoint, um, first of all, we're collaborating with um, a large amount of organizations that have been in this space for, for quite a long time and, and also constantly do cases. Mm-hmm. And then we are involved in these cases as well. Um, what was really interesting to me, which I could not find on the internet, is mm-hmm. what is like a typical contract look like Mm -hmm. what is in the contract when am i going to be awakened uh what are going to be the 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 exact you know parameters of my uh vitrification um what do i sign right okay so now this is this is a complex topic right so this is these are not easy like one line contracts it's a case by case thing obviously right no no yeah and also it's it's just it's, it's a bit of a complex topic so so maybe to tackle these questions one by one right so so um, how, how does one of these contracts look, right? What, what's, what's, the, what's the gist of the contract? So the logic of these contracts are basically saying, so let's say I'm a customer, right? And I'm talking to, to our company. Then, then I, as a customer, would, would basically say, well, whenever, whenever I should die, whenever I'm declared legally dead, we can only ever accept patients who are legally diseased, who are legally died. Of course, I mean, I don't know, maybe we want to discuss this later, but there's a difference between legally dead yeah. and biologically on a cellular level dead, arguably. So, but they need to be legally dead, right? So at that point, I want to be cryopreserved. And then there's a lot of provisions and so on that, that says, okay, so, you know, I'm donating my body to this organization that then cryopreserves me. And we have this shared understanding of what will happen with my body and this body will be kept indefinitely practically speaking, until cryopreservation can be um, reversed. So this, this is the core part of the contract. We get a body and we cryopreserve this body then indefinitely, maintain cryopreservation, and once medically possible, we're obligated um, and tasked with resuscitating that body. And bring it and, and that's the that's the part that's hard to define, I guess, right? Like, how do you define exactly yeah. it is now uh, technologically feasible to wake you up and also like not damage your tissues so that so that you're going to be healthy yeah. when you're awakened yeah, um, yeah. so that's and, indeed a difficult question and um so our contracts do not stipulate any specific time frame there because you can't so so the the part of the contract that covers that is basically the fact saying okay so we have this shared understanding of what should happen to my body so the idea is i want to live on in the future uh, right. Is it like a, a yeah. slider that your clients can choose? Like, how much do I want to prefer waiting as opposed to mm-hmm. just like waking up as soon as possible? Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I get what you mean. mean. So, um, legally speaking, we're not obligated. So, so not not so that we're we're um, we're we don't need to adhere to these. But you can you can give wishes. Right. You can say, so, you know, I want to be ideally the first person. If that's ever even remotely possible, then I want to be the first. Or, well, you know, I'd rather wait a bit until, you know, medical technology has advanced more and it's more of a standard procedure and so on. Because, and the, the um, reason is, yeah, go ahead. 
fucked up because if you fr uh, if you I'm just gonna use the word freeze, okay? Because sure, uh, sure, go if, ahead. If you freeze someone today, you can try and wake him up tomorrow. He's gonna be dead, right? So that that's that's where the technology is today. You can freeze people today. You can try and make the best type of freezing, but you can with today's technology not wake them up. Yeah, you have no. And chance. also, like, have, have them alive. Yes, absolutely. You have no chance. So you can cryopreserve. This is the word that I'm using, right? You can cryopreserve someone right now, but you cannot reverse cryopreservation. So you cannot resuscitate them after. Um, um, at least not from these very deep. I mean, we're talking about you know somewhere between 135 minus 135 degrees, or usually 196 minus. So from these temperatures, you have no chance. Even from higher temperatures, you have no chance. Yes, um, although, and uh, we could maybe get into this a bit, um, what is sure. possible today, I have uh, read and heard that uh, it has been done on single tissues, kidney mm -hmm. could be uh, cryopreserved, mm -hmm. um, has there ever, ever been a kidney cryopreserved, like a human kidney uh, that was put back in a person and also functioned? Mm -hmm. No, in a human it hasn't. So, so what is possible? What is possible right now, right? So, first of all, of course, cells are readily cryopreserved all the time, right? This is a standard procedure in every lab. Now, tissues, so smaller parts or even Organs. larger parts, are also cryopreserved relatively regularly and as a standard procedure. Now, when we talk about organs, it becomes more complex. So organs, let's say liver or a heart or whatever, um, they can be cryopreserved in animals. Um, for example, uh, there's, there's, um, um, there are some papers from actually a few years ago where a rabbit kidney was cryopreserved and then after cryopreservation, the kidney still worked and could be retransplanted to the animal and so on. For humans, that is currently not possible yet. On the other hand, um, you also don't experiment with humans. So, so um, this is not something that is currently being done or even possible. The, the um, rabbit kidney, I read about that. Uh, was there mm -hmm. anything about a rabbit brain? Mm-hmm. Um, there like was probably a rabbit? rabbit brain cryopreserved, but it did not work. If, if that has been done, it did not work afterwards. So okay. you cannot yet cryopreserve a whole mammal and then bring it back. You can cryopreserve certain model animals. So, for example, C. elegans, which is a very common one. You can cryopreserve those and then bring them back after, and they continue on with their life. Um, and they even retain... Um, what 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 would be memory in in these model animal animals? So, like remembering, for example, the aversion to certain uh, chemo um, mm -hmm. um, to to certain um, yeah certain chemicals in in, mm -hmm. in their environment that have been trained before being cryopreserved. So okay, so there so is there's promise there, there, right? And and that was yes. not possible ten years yeah. ago. Well, some of this research is older than ten years ago, but. Um, um, it, it definitely wasn't possible, let's say, 50 years ago or so, right? So, so there is definitely progress in this space, um, but there is significantly more research needed. So there's no question about that, right? So this is not something that will be possible in the next five years, and this is not something that will be possible in the next 10 years to do that with a human. Um, but then again, um, once you're cryopreserved, time is not really of an issue anymore. Right? Exactly. So if you wait 10 years or 20 years or 30 years or 40 or 50, um, the difference isn't really, isn't really that big. Um, the question, the, is, that, yeah. the question yeah, is um, how well you can cryopreserve people uh, today. Um, because, because actually uh, it might be um, an advantage to be cryopreserved um, in a better fashion today so that it's going to be easier in the future to wake you up. Oh, absolutely. I would argue so, there's so, maybe... 
yeah. there's maybe like irreversible damage done to your tissues if you're not doing it right and today you cannot do it right in a way so uh Absolutely. So, so very likely cryopreservation will be a so-called first in, uh, last out procedure or last in, first out, right? Meaning, so if you're being cryopreserved with the newest technology, then you probably will be the one that will be resuscitated the first because, you know, your tissue has the, is the best, you know, in, in the best condition. Um, there's the least amount of damage. There's the least amount of repair needed and so on and so on. Um, but then again, I mean, like, so, so, I mean, I would never advocate for anybody wanting to be cryopreserved as an elective procedure or anything, right? So this is always something if there is no other option, again, yeah. coming back to the terminal heart disease or terminal, terminal cancer or whatever it might be. Um, so this is always a last effort if there are no other options. And then fundamentally, the logic is, of course, well, you know, if I'm cremated or if I'm buried, my chance of being around in the future zero. drops down to zero, literally zero, right? Um, if I'm cryopreserved, my chance of coming back and living further along, living, living longer is, well, yeah. at, at the least, it's not zero. It's better than zero. Um, I, I know of uh, some theories, some, some people who stipulate that your chances do not actually go to zero when you're buried in the ground. Uh, you can namely, maybe in the future, it's I think it's just as far-fetched as cryopreservation, mind uploading. I, I, I'd like to know, like later, maybe if you, if you think it's as far-fetched, or maybe it's like more likely. Or if you're, if you think that it's 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 safe to have like uh, a bet on both, right? Like I think mm-hmm. I think there are not competing uh, ways to try to maximize lifespan. Um, not not necessarily. Um, so so first of all, making these kinds of predictions, I feel like is very very difficult, right? So making any prediction that goes longer than let's say you know 10 20 years in the future it's it's the you know it 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 basically drops to zero as well how good your prediction is. Exactly. Um so so if you're being if you're buried and if you're if you've been buried for a while then your your, your chances are probably zero with any type of technology. Well, I mean, yeah, of course, but, we I mean, can argue you... some, you know, very, very theoretical, uh, um, you know, information is not being destroyed stuff and so on and yeah. so on. And somewhere no, this no, information that's... is still available. But um, at that point, we're, we're by, current, by current standards, we're always moving into some, you know, super sci-fi slash metaphysical um, um, consideration. Exactly. Which and, and I want I'm to not stay deep on, the, to, yeah, on the grounds yeah. of science. because Slightly think... more tangible. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What yeah. I really love about cryopreservation is, is is it sounds like sci-fi. It is it is fiction today, but but it, there is science in this. Like there's there's actual sure. people, actual researchers who are doing research on this, and and there's a way there's a way forward, and this way is science. And um, sure. I have the same um, idea about this whole mind uploading that it used to be um, fiction. It could be science fiction, and it could could eventually be, become mean, science. Yeah, there's there's probably fundamentally no no reason why mind uploading is fundamentally not possible either right so that is, is it's probably no fundamentally yeah. possible there's yeah, probably sure. a long 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 list of devil in the detail problems why it's not possible right now and why it probably will not be possible in 10 years or 20 years but fundamentally i i, I don't know what what would be the reason i mean of course with these problems or with these things you get into this problem a bit about um 
and this is i don't know if it's a personal decision but it's it's from a rational standpoint or, or from a from a from a subjective standpoint you get into this problem of okay, okay so who's me right is the uploaded person me would i be fine um, let's say i would upload myself right now would i now be fine with with uh, killing myself right and, and and all these like that are almost moving into a philo- philosophical range or actually i do move into philosophical yeah, um, considerations and um, yeah. so um before we uh, maybe talk about philosophical stuff, um, I'd like to have some some info on um, what the direction of research is today. You're, you're involved mm-hmm. in this, and maybe you're not doing the actual research, but 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 you're following it very very closely. So, like, what are the major problems that uh, researchers are trying to solve today that could lead to a better quality cryopreservation in 10, 20 years? Mm-hmm. Sure. So. The idea is currently that most of the research is targeted at improving the quality of cryopreservation. Not necessarily yet figuring out how to actually resuscitate people and revive yeah. people, but how to improve cryopreservation. And improving cryopreservation um, meaning how to vitrify yeah, the, people, the, how to not the first freeze part. People. No, no, how exactly. The first the part. Yeah, that as well. Um, but then there's also a long list of other other things. So, so, so. Topics, for example, are is exactly that: how to reduce the amount of ice formation, right? Um, that that means improving cryoprotective agents, like making them better at um, blocking ice formation. Um, it also is about improving the medical protocols. So, meaning, okay, so the procedures of you know how to do this. It's, it's basically a, a medical operation, right? Um, how to improve this? This uh, you know. Just, just from a practical standpoint. So it's always between somewhere between R&D. Parts are research, parts are basic research, and then other parts are also just, okay, so how can we actually now implement these research findings that we might have made in the lab? How can we implement them into the day-to-day practice of actually cryopreserving someone if they should die tomorrow? Uh, right? By the way, b- before we, um, we, we delve more into this, uh, could you describe like a, in a sentence or two uh, how it actually looks like the, the actual procedure, how does it look for, for somebody who, mm-hmm. who might not have heard this? Has this whole um, sure. A to Z? Sure. So, so what you want to do is, so again, we're starting at this point when someone has been legally declared death, yeah. dead. And one, if all documents are in place and this person has with informed consent and, and a clear declaration of will has said, this is something that I want to have happen to me. Or to my body, more precisely. Okay, so this is when when we or anybody who does cryopreservation starts. Now, we have we have two important parts that need to be done. Now, we need to cool down the patient as quick as possible, while providing as much circulatory, like so, so enough oxygen, practically speaking, to the cells in the brain. And of course, when we talk about this, I mean, the rest of the body might also be important, but um, I think everybody agrees that the, the brain is significantly more important in this whole thing. So let's take the brain as an example here. So what you want to do, you want to practically stop the, 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 the neurons and other cells in the brain from dying from a cellular level. And cells after, after a patient is clinically dead, so after, for example, the heart stops, the cells die because they don't have enough oxygen anymore. Exactly. So they basically run out of fuel. And when they run out of fuel, they start a process which is almost like a self-recycling process. Some of them, some of that is actually active, an active process. Some of it is more passive. but So they, they, they self-recycle to a degree. It's so like you want to... Yeah, for example. And other types as well, like proteins break down and whatever else they might happen, right? So 
you so want to stop make sure that. that there's enough oxygen in the patient at this yes. point. Yes. So so you want to do two things. You want to you want to inc- or increase the amount of oxygen that is still available. And the other thing is you want to reduce the amount of oxygen that the cells need to uh, before they start the self recycling process. So what you do, um, you so so figuratively or, or or practically speaking, you do what you do when you want to resuscitate the patient, right? You chart you start chest compression, mm-hmm. and what you want to basically recirculate the, the blood that is still in the body to be able to you know the blood has some rest like some some um, some amounts of oxygen still available, so you want to circulate that through the brain so that the cells have an oxygen at least some of it, right? And you also want to then start. Um, ventilating um, the patient, g- right? giving oxygen, right? Um, not in every case. There are cases where you don't want to do that, but this goes very much in the details already. So th- this is part one, and the part two is you want to you want to provide you want to want to cool down the body as quick as possible, because the cooler the temperature is, the cooler the cells are, the less oxygen they need. So you don't you, you do don't these want to freeze things. the patient at this point. You just want to bring the not temperature yet. down to. Something like yeah. zero degrees Celsius. Well, to four degrees. You bring okay. you bring the body down to around four degrees, due to the fact, of course, also that you cool with water ice because it's very quick. You can do quick cooling. You can cool, cool from externally. You can even cool internally. And at that point, you now wanna you wanna cool down further, but around zero degrees, ice crystals start to form, and you do okay. not want these ice crystals to form. So four so degrees. What you do? You replace the all the body's fluids, all the liquids, with this cryoprotective agent. And now this cryoprotective agent doesn't only stop ice crystals from forming, it also has other protective parts in it that protect the body um, and, and reduces metabolic load and so on. And that together with some medications that you give or substances that you give that reduce metabolic load, you reduce the amount of oxygen that cells need. And if you do that fast enough, um, then the cellular structure, the neural structure is preserved in the way or, or representing or exactly how it was before. And so the idea is yeah. here, uh, so very practically, is to take a, take a major artery and pump mm-hmm. this cryopreservant in, in, into that. Are you yeah. uh, pulling the blood out at the same time? So are you like entirely replacing the blood with this cryoprotectant? Yeah, so it's, it's, it's very similar to a heart surgery. To an open heart surgery and and with with um, with bypass, so with practically speaking, you have a heart lung machine, and, and this is something that is being done. This is not something that is like super specific to cryopreservation. This is being done in every not in every operation, but in a large in, in an amount of, of um, open heart surgery. You 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 do that. You 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 run basically external circulation that oxygenates the blood and keeps it keeps it flowing. Yeah, and so, um, in this case, you do this with cryoprotective agent. The cryoprotective agent itself is a liquid that uh, oxygenates the tissue, right? Like no, do I get this right? not not so much. So it doesn't oxygenate the tissue. Um, you can oxygenate the cryoprotective agent. You just infuse it with oxygen in in in, a, in this hard lung machine. Practically, uh, it has a part that is like a box like this which is an oxygenator where um, the fluid is being pumped through it and at that point it's being infused with oxygen um, but the cryoprotective agents primarily is there to um, to not have water freeze I understand so um, so, so again um, you're um, injecting this liquid you're mm-hmm. pulling the blood out and mm-hmm. the human body is magically so um, 
constructed that uh, this blood, well, anything that flows in the blood vessels would eventually reach the cell. So like, it would actually get to the cellular level. So like, does this fluid then just diffuse into the cells and fill the cells and and like um, keep them from from freezing? Yeah, because, so um, both. So yeah, good, exactly. Yeah. Because we, we are seventy percent water, right? So like, mm-hmm. you have to uh, like have a lot of that liquid to replace the water. Uh, mm-hmm. Or like, how, how much do you need? Like, like, do you need like ten liters, five liters? Um, <laughs> so, so you can do both. So, so yes, a part of the, for example, the blood, which of course is largely water, is practically fully replaced. Now, you don't need to get rid of every water molecule anywhere in in the body. Because the cryoprotective agent is not only cryoprotecting due to the fact that it replaces water, it's also cryoprotecting that it stops water molecules from forming ice. So there are so-called ice blockers in there, just just blocks the ice crystallization, even though the water is technically still there, it doesn't freeze anymore. It doesn't form these ice crystals. So um, I, I'm not aware if there's any specific uh, percentage of, you know, how much water does the body after that yet still has. Probably there is some, but I'm, I'm not aware of it. Um, but yeah, the cryoprotective agent has these two kind of two main, it replaces, but also it just stops water from forming ice crystals. And, uh- brain uh luckily is uh yeah as, as we know it's a lot of fat so that would be just uh just as well maybe just as easier for us to then preserve uh the head yeah, so, the, um, the brain has other problems unfortunately like you know there's something called the blood brain barrier that is lining the the vessels uh, in it the doesn't brain. let the cryoprotectin through right yeah so so um the brain is actually you know it has some advantages um it has some it has some disadvantages um and we talked in a few minutes ago we talked about research um directions and one of those is for example um building cryoprotective agents that are optimized for for brain tissue um Let's talk more about technology. I'm really interested in like what, what sure. the research is is is, is into. Uh, but but first, let maybe our listeners know that there are companies out there, and I'm not sure if your company uh, would do that, who would only freeze the heads of the patients, so-called neuro uh, patients. Uh, mm-hmm. Could you tell two three words about that? Yeah. So so we do not do that. We we only do uh, we only do whole body cryopreservation. Um, yeah, there are companies out there that do neurocryopreservation as well, um, which is uh, the, the, the main arguments for that are is that in, in certain circumstances, the quality of a neuropreservation might be better. Yeah. Um, and the other argument is that um, it's, it's it's, it can be more affordable. It can be cheaper. Um, now, bo- both of these arguments, I don't think, um, I don't think, so, so there are a solution to a problem, but I believe there's a better solution to that problem. And um, the, 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 the low quality or the, the higher quality of cryopreservation, just a neuro patient, is usually that if you, if you have a last minute case and you know, the patient has already been dead for, let's say, two hours or whatever, then it can be easier to just perfuse the head. Mm-hmm. Now, the solution to just offer neuro is one of them, sure. Um, but I would argue that the better solution, and this is what we're going for, is that um, by, by the fact that we are, we're working on increasing the customer numbers by an order or even two orders of magnitude, um, by that you can have faster standby teams, you, have, you can be closer to where the patient is so that these problems don't actually come up. 
And the other problem is also solved due to that um, cryopreservation luckily has very, very positive economics of scale. So mm -hmm. the more patients you have, the lower the costs per patient, um, which again then counteracts the fact that yes, currently neuro cryopreservations are more affordable. And the downside of neuro, maybe to end this story briefly, the downside of neuro is that to increase the acceptance of cryopreservation and to make it that we actually have ten, an order or two orders of magnitude more, more people interested in it, neuro cryopreservation sounds to a large amount of people significantly yeah. more sci-fi than whole body. And of course, you can argue that this isn't really the case and, and, and so on, but usually... These, these discussions are not being done purely rationally. There, there's a lot of emotional um, and, and uh, emotional parts to it and so on. So just from a practical standpoint, I believe that the, the field is better served if you do a whole body. Yeah. Um, money. How much do you pay if you pay in one lump sum versus if you uh, do this uh, through uh, an insurance? Yeah. So with us, the 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 most affordable cryopreservation package, meaning everything is included from standby to long term and and so on, um, is a hundred thousand euros. Um, they are technically more affordable cryopreservation providers out there that offer it that offer it more affordable. Um, so there's, for example, Cryonics Institute in the US um, that has cryopreservation packages around thirty thousand. Even though these prices are not directly comparable, because at, in that 30,000 euro price, um, there is no standby. So there's no medical team that actually comes to you and does the whole procedure included. So you need to get yeah. that extra. And other companies that, for example, offer that extra um, also charge you up to, like, say, 60,000 60, euros. Yeah. Um, what's, what's very important, so, so we do not plan to compete on price. So we're not going to be the most affordable provider. We're gonna be. We're gonna aiming for being the best and largest provider. Affordability is not unimportant, but it's not where we believe the field is served best. Um, if you want to compete on that, and then on the upper upper, upper ranges, um, reasonably a cryopreservation that is currently around two hundred fifty thousand US dollars, two hundred fifty thousand euros. That's kind of what you currently where you currently get arguably um, the, the best in quotation marks. Um, Everything. If you if you want to pay more, you can. But at that point, um, it, it's just extra money that that would help in in edge case scenarios. Yeah. So, so for example, an edge case I... scenario would be you die on vacation, on some island in the middle of wherever. And if you if you have given us another hundred thousand euros extra, we hire a private jet from that money. Whereas yeah. if you did not do that, then well, we would need to get the next you know just charter airline or normal like like flight. Um, which of course then would might, might be longer, but then again, most people don't die on islands in the middle of the ocean. Most people die when they're old um, in their in their in their in a hospital, right? So that's what I mean. Like you protect against edge cases. I understand. I think it's a good strategy that you're not trying to uh, lower the price. I think if somebody is serious enough to have thought about this and and is ready to put down a big amount of money, it's not going to be uh, uh, scared by 
no plus or minus 20 percent in the price right yeah and, and of course they don't need to right i mean like very few people pay these amounts out of pocket right i mean um again yeah. coming back to the fact that we our average age is 34 right there aren't many 34 year olds that just say hey you know here's a hundred thousand euros that's super easy for me right so people take a like a insurance scheme right yeah so so the, the standard way of how you sign up for cryopreservation is that you you create a contract with us and then we have a life insurance partner, a term life insurance partner, that where if you sign up through us, you have the opportunity also to sign up with this term life insurance partner. And the idea is here that however long you signed up, um, if you should die, the term life insurance pays out, in our example, 100,000 euros, that then funds your cryopreservation. Yeah. And now if you limit the range of how long your cryopreservation, uh, your, your term life insurance runs, you get these contracts for relatively low amounts of money. So, for example, this package that we've been talking about with the 100,000 euros in coverage and so on, um, that package with us is 30 euros a month, given that you're relatively relatively healthy and given that you're relatively young. And, and that you pay this yeah. until the end of your life. Um, so term life insurance is a bit, is a bit different. Term life insurance here, um, it has an end date. So with us, the contract, of course, is indefinite. The contract is as long as you live until, well, unfortunately, until you die. And then at that point, the contract will enable you to be cryopreserved. Now, the funding of cryopreservation works different. Like to be able to offer this as these, at these low prices starting from 30 euros, um, the term life insurance has an end date. So, for example, just to give you an example, let's say you're 30 and you want to start sign up for term life insurance and, and cryopreservation for in this 30 euros a month package, then your, your insurance contract that would fund your cryopreservation contract runs till around the age of 60, until you're on 60. Right. Now, of course, not everybody dies before 60. And in fact, statistically speaking, very few people do. So that is why it is so cheap. Because of course, that's also the calculation that the insurance does. Now, of course, now the question is, okay, so what do you do after 60, right? I mean, what, what happens if I die when I'm 70 or 75 or whatever, right? And yes, in that case, your cryopreservation, your, your term life insurance contract would not pay out anymore. It has just ended. It's basically a risk insurance. So now you need to have a, a separate funding mechanism of how to fund your, your contract from the age of 60 until you die. And now there's, there's a range of, of possibilities as we offer. So first of all, you can extend your term life insurance contract. Um, we also have, um, we have um, plans where you, where you pay a larger amount on a monthly basis, um, but this doesn't run out. So it's a kind of like a savings plan. That's where you save for your cryopreservation. And then last but not least, one argument is that it's possible that in the future, and as we cannot promise that, but we're working very hard on that, to make cryopreservation significantly more affordable in the future. As I said, it has very, very positive economics of scale, meaning it's possible that at, at that point, you know, when you're 60, 30 years from now, arguably, um, a contract is, is only 20,000 euros or something yeah. in that range. Yeah. That, that's that, that's the, the logic here. So when you're young, you take term life insurance because it's cheap. Once you're older and now you earn more money and whatever, whatever, right? You have more net worth and it's easier for you to pay out of pocket or use one of these other options that we also that we also offer. And practically every customer of us, um, 20 years before their term life insurance contract runs out, we're starting to ping them and tell them, hey, you know, 
20 years you need to you need to keep that in mind there's something you, you need to do right and of course we're helping and offering all these options mm-hmm. so i understand so um do you have any competition as of today in europe if, if i want to get a cryo preserved in europe uh do i have another option mm-hmm. yeah you do so um the the more prominent providers are Alcor and CI Cryonics Institute out of the US, right? And they both of them um, both of them cover Europe as well. So you can sign up with that, with them if you're European, and and they're both good guys. So so um, these are not um, um, they're doing a good job. The only problem, of course, is they're a bit further away. And as we discussed before, um, time is very much of the essence here. You know, you need to you know to start the cooling process quick and so on and so on. So, so arguably, apart from a few other things, so signing up with us is significantly easier. It's all online. Um, we're, we're more app based. We're maybe a bit um, younger looking and and um, more approachable maybe um, but in in general they're they're doing a good job um, just the reason is they're they're based in the US of course and due to that further away I understand um, I also heard of a company called Cryo Ross Cryo yeah there are a few other ones um, and not only those but also some in Spain some in, I don't know every country has some and here and there and they're popping up and down um, so so we would not feel comfortable recommending anybody else that's that's I think all that we I mean everybody needs to can can look into them and, and so on but um, I, I think um, there, there is a there is a large gap. So if, if someone for whatever reason feels like, hey, not signing up with us, that's totally fine. Um, but then I would I would strongly suggest to look into Alco and CI um, and um, maybe not the other ones. I understand. Um, so there was a big, big, big parenthesis uh, that we took uh, to explain how, the, how this works like uh, in practice. Mm-hmm. Uh, could, could you just like um, cover the rest of technology and research? Sure. So, so, so you started to, to talk about like how, what the direction of research is, is today. Uh, what are like the, the low hanging fruits? What are the easiest problems to, mm-hmm. to, to tackle? Yeah. So, so as we already discussed, so improving the procedures, improving the cryoprotective agents are important parts, right? Um, there are there are a few others. Of course, there are also very small, like in, 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 like scientific details that can be improved. Um, for example, reducing toxicity, yeah. which is actually a larger topic. To- the, these cryoprotective agents they're technically toxic. Um, they're not toxic at low temperatures, but they're toxic at high temperatures. Um, so you want to reduce this toxicity. Um, then um, you know how can you cool someone down faster? Right, cooling down large volumes is not an easy task. Yeah. Right. I mean, you can flow water around it, but the the heat transfer of water or the it's, it's not super fast, right? So, um, how to cool down faster is is a is a is a method. And there's something we call liquid ventilation, for example, where you use the surface area of the lung mm-hmm. to cool someone down with um, with certain inert gases. So, so these are topics of research. Um, then um, we already discussed briefly this blood-brain barrier that this this kind of lines the the vessels in the brain, which stops well stops uh, chemicals and stops solution getting into the brain tissue outside from from the vessels into the brain tissue. So you wanna you wanna open that a bit, but you don't wanna open it too much because otherwise you get edema. So usually research is is um, you know usually research is this balancing problem, right? 
You want to have some opening, but not too much. You want to exactly like walk the line, and this is why it makes it so tedious and so 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 yeah. resource intensive. So game of compromises, right? Um, yeah. So these are the these are the topics, I think. Do, do you do some research in your team at all, or are you are you um, are you practically uh, executing? So, so we're we're will initially mostly do applied research slash development. So we will do the D part of R&D, right? So we will not we will not anytime soon start a larger lab or do basic research or anything like that. But the whole reason this organization is is built is to fund research. So this is not an organization that we will ever sell off. This is not an organization that is made to make investors or me or anybody else who's involved wealthy or rich or anything. This is an organization that is purely mission aligned. And the mission alignment here means doing good cryopreservations and making cryopreservation better. And the better making it better part means once we're profitable, um, the 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 a, a large chunk of the profits are being put into research funding. Um, cool. And that sounds like all these topics that we discussed, um, they're all unfortunately um, underfunded by all intents and purposes. Um, and this is something that this organization is, is built for, for doing. Yeah. Okay. Well, I do uh, root for uh, uh, research in this area to, uh, to go and, uh, and be good enough for us to, to be able to yeah, make it to very important. maybe immortality. Um, yeah. Immortality again is very, very long. I don't know if that's, that's yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Let's, let's, but let's at least significantly longer. Years old. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Um, you said you were uh, interested in this life extension from from when you were a kid. You you still yeah. are. And um, do you think you you might have an you might you might have had a number before? Do you have a number now that is your target? Uh, I kind of like to to live to to this age, or is this dependent on on life circumstances? Have you ever tried to like put a number on this? So. Um... Practically speaking, I, I don't really have an, a, a number in regards to, okay, so this is, you know, my, my target. But my target is definitely not 120 years. It's also not 150 years. It is longer and significantly um, longer. Okay. Yeah. This, is all, this is all very spe- speculative. I don't want to bet or anything. Sure. But today, 2021, what, what, what do you say? What are your chances in, in person? What are your chances to make it to your 500th birthday? Without cryopreservation or with cryopreservation? No, 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 with. I mean, yeah, with. Okay. with like with, with all the tools, right? Well, because without cryopreservation, I would say less than 40, 51% or less than 50% because otherwise I would do oh, something sure. else, right? Otherwise I wouldn't do cryopreservation. Um, with cryopreservation, I mean, it's it's purely a gamble. I, I mean, I hope it's it's I hope it's significant. So 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 personally, I would say it's it's... It's definitely more than the, you know, single digit percentages. And it's probably... I mean, so the point is, like, if, if I'm able to do everything that we plan to do, then I think we will be able to increase the chance significantly. If for whatever reason, and, and, and then the question is, okay, so then, then the question is, which again becomes unpredictable to a large degree. Um, let's say we, we make it to 10,000 customers, right? Or we make it to 100,000 customers, or we make it to a million customers. All these three points, I think, would generate significantly different probabilities of how likely it is that you can actually make it to let's say 500 years right with with cryopreservation is, so, is so, this <laughs> yeah. really i mean technology yeah, but then, 
No, but let's, yeah, let's, so, get, so get if get I have a million customers, I can put more money into research, right? So there, there are two important parts long-term to make cryopreservation work. Research and making organizations stable, right? Yeah, they need yeah. to be around in 500 years and still need to maintain these bodies if revival only is possible in 500 years or yeah, yeah. So, 100 so, years, right? And large, so custo- you, large amounts of customer helps you with both. Mm-hmm. So the quality of uh, research is important, but I think I'd argue uh, like a more important unknown is it's just uh, like like time like uh there's so many technological improvements that can uh, like affect this uh without without yeah. like intentionally trying like technology spreads and you don't know which no, absolutely. technology is gonna make make the breakthrough um that you can use in your field right yeah absolutely um, the, the only like, problem I, is I a bit crowd preservation is so is, is is to it is to part unique that there aren't that many other adjacent technologies or technology adjacent research fields where you can directly then you know take take research over but but of course there is like it's just maybe slightly less than in other sectors maybe i understand um but so so i didn't get a number from you like you said it's yeah the single digits so like you say 20 percent you say 40 percent yeah i know yeah you know my my ex-researcher's researcher mind uh uh doesn't like to give predictions without any any underlying reason i mean my 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 probability i would probably put it personally maybe in the 50 percent range or so Mm -hmm. and i hope that we can put this up to 80 like soon but again like all of these numbers would be there there's speculation almost right oh for Um, for sure big time yeah but but let's say let me let me maybe rephrase so so if if we're able in the next decades to cryopreserve a mammal and take it out of cryopreservation, then I think the probability shoots shoots up to ninety or even ninety five. And, and and the reason for that wait, is wait, wait, well, then, look, well that's that, yeah. that's that's a big big assumption, right? Because you can figure out cryopreservation, but is there a guarantee that in the future uh, there's going to be a radical life extension or like? Extending life indefinitely. That's a bigger if, I think. I, I don't think so. I think this is this is at ninety nine percent. The question is just when. But that that radical oh, okay. life extension will so be you around. Think you're confident that at some point, Absolutely. if 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 we are still around, yeah. it's going to be figured out how not to die. Absolutely, absolutely. Wow. There's, okay. I mean, you, you're still going to, you know, if if whatever, if you know, you're still going to die, but not not from the causes where we currently die, right? So so you might if you if you get you know, if a car crashes into you, you probably there's going to be still scenarios where where you you die. But um, so there will be so so there will be people that live up to up to five hundred years. So my only contention with this whole thing is is when this will be possible. So the the I, I, there's no doubt in my mind that this will be possible at some point. And if anybody disagrees, I'm more than happy to hear your arguments uh, why this can never happen, why this is fundamentally impossible. I, I have I don't no think arguments there are against many. you. I mean, no, I no, no. I'm, I'm just saying if there's someone who, who does, I'm, I'm more than happy to hear them because I don't think there are that many or at least I didn't hear any. Um, but my, as I said, my only contention is when this will be possible. So my, my full decision to go for the cryopreservation space is due to the fact that I believe it will take longer than we think and it also will take longer than I'm I'm alive, or my 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 rest of my lifespan is still. All right, I understand. Yeah. Uh, just a moment, something. Okay. So, so apparently, I was also recording this conversation, uh, mm-hmm. and my disk space is full. Uh, but but I guess you're still yeah, recording okay. like independently, right? Well, yeah, but I'm co- recording my site, not yours. Yeah. Cool. All right. Yeah. Um, 
So uh, you've been thinking about this for a long time, uh, and I think uh, a lot of people do not know that it's already currently possible to to do significant things to extend your life. Right. So, so what are the things that you're doing today that are still like a proven to uh, extend your life, uh, make you healthier? Proven. Proven is a difficult word here. Um, well. So so <laughs> so. So, so I'm I'm definitely not in the in the group of people who says like show me every vitamin pill or any other pill that I can take and I'm gonna take all of them. So so I'm I'm actually so so maybe my medical background comes comes up here a bit. But you know if there's no clinical trial or a large study, then I'm I'm my my base assumption is the stuff does not work or at least it does not extend life. Yeah. So the question so, is, have, have you seen research where it was shown in a clinical, you know, uh, randomized uh, double blind study that it something did no, work? No, there isn't one. Like there is no that shows that you extend life, at least not in humans. In animals, yeah, sure, well, there's in, a lot of stuff. In animals, right? Let's, yeah, so yeah. Like, how do you show this in humans? You have to run the study for 100 years. Yeah, if you that's don't the have big the time, problem, right? Then... So, but, so but, for humans... So, so for, there. Yeah, so for humans, what I would do... Um, I mean, I think some people might be aware, but some others might be not. There's something that is called blue zones. Basically, certain areas in the world where people have been living significantly longer than the rest of the country. There's one in Italy and in, in, in the US and, you know, there, there's all of these like, in, in, like certain areas where people live in a certain way where they'll just live longer. And unfortunately, these are not super secretive things, right? So these things are healthy diet, like little fish, sorry, like little fish, um, no, practically no meat, lots of vegetables and so on. Right, a bit of wine and, and all of these things. A um, lot of movement. Like these people are usually their their rural areas and and um, farming and so on. So they they have a lot of movement. They have they have close um, family and community ties. Um, they have some some kind of of a purpose. Like 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 not necessarily religious, but they have a feeling of purpose in their life, and so on. And there are a few other things. So. Yeah. And uh, this, living, this living is a, a fulfilling day- life is probably good yes. for your health, right? And they live significantly longer. So people who who smoke or who don't do sports and whatever, they don't not need, they don't need to ask what pill to take to live longer. There there are easier ways, or not easier, but there are better ways how to do it. Just stop smoking, and I mean I know this is not easy, right? But do everything you can to stop smoking and do do sports, right? Yeah, I think sports is a big one that I think. Um, yeah, absolutely. That doesn't, so these, it these doesn't ones, matter how much you do. The, the more you do, uh, these the ones, you're going to be yeah. these, are, these are actually giving you years, right? Um, there are probably uh, some things that you, you should take. So probably everybody in Western countries has a vitamin D deficiency, um, at least during winter. So taking vitamin D definitely helps. And now once we're moving into the more advanced things, it becomes significantly more complex. So probably if you, if if you don't do sports then it's probably a net positive to take metformin. If you do a lot of sports, then it's probably not a net, po- net positive to take metformin. And now when we're moving into more advanced stuff, then my answer would be show me a clinical trial and then I'm considering it. I just saw some uh, popularized videos and research about uh, some epigenetic uh, tagging, some, mm-hmm. some actual pills. It was like um, NAD pills mm-hmm. uh, you know yeah and the D plus and so on yeah. okay so none of those none of those uh, high P things you think so so I mean um, 
I, 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 so for, for that specifically, I don't think the, the, the downsides are crazy. I don't think there's a, this super high downside, and but like discuss it with your doctor. But but in, in general, I don't I don't see these crazy downsides. But on the other hand, um, so so unfortunately, a lot of stuff in in biomedical research works in in animals, works in mice, for example. Like a lot of cancer treatments work in mice. Mm-hmm. The, the the reason why a cancer drug development costs whatever i think it's like 2.8 billion by now from 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 cell through like animal models and then into humans it's not because of the mice part being so so um, expensive and every like all these drugs uh, are being dropped out because they don't work in mice a lot of stuff works in in animals the problem is that a lot of the stuff then doesn't work in humans um so so there is there is no direct connection between saying okay so this works in in mice or and mice is even fine right some of these things when you read some online newspapers or whatever or in, in some longevity blogs or whatever um, they directly making arguments from some stuff that works in cells right you put it on a cell the cell does what something better and then they say okay so this is now a good idea to take um, at best it's just wasting money. At okay. worst, this actually has downsides, and then yeah. there's a small slimmer of hope that this actually does something. And yeah, so, so I'm 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 a bit more I'm a bit more um, conservative in this in this regard. So I'm taking vitamin D. I'm taking some other very very simple things. I do a reasonable amount of sports, and I I do um, I I have relatively I eat relatively healthy. And I, I understand. Um, are you vegetarian, by the way? No, I'm not. But I I mean for that point, yes, I should be. But um, I, I'm not. But I don't I eat understand. crazy amounts, so, so I usually eat small amounts of white meat. Mm-hmm. Um, here's another proposal how to uh, maybe uh, make it to immortality and even to the cloud. So this is an interesting mix of cryopreservation and mind uploading, the so-called um, slicing your brain. So there, there are ways now to actually freeze your entire brain, like people have demonstrated in, in, in red brains. Uh, there's, there's supposed to be a technology ready in 10 years now that freezes your brain and slices it up to 10 microns or whatever the, the resolution may be so that you get your connectome. The connectome is where your nerves are and how all your nerves are connected, which is basically, some people could argue, uh, that's the, the map of your mind. So um, have you heard about that? What do you think about that idea? Sure. I mean, again, it's it's somewhere on the spectrum of probably fundamentally possible and um you can't do it yet but um again i would not i mean of course i'm always arguing from from a from a position of how we understand our brain right now right there might be something super weird that is difficult to replicate and um, that we can't replicate easily in silico but um arguably there isn't um so so if you if you really have a super super detailed connectome map and not only connectome but also like um probably internal cellular states at least some parts of it probably um then arguably you can do that and um um but i yeah so i think i think it's fundamentally probably possible and um do you think that that's a good way to even actually like start to think about it um what i'm thinking about is if you're trying to uh condense your personality from the neuron up it might be actually harder than to uh, go the other way and start to run a bunch of personality tests and give basically the map of your personality, which is like this higher level, uh, concept level uh, 
map of your mind to a computer that can then uh, turn uh, algorithms into algorithms that have your uh, proprieties, your your uh, traits. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what I mean? So um, sure, so, but uh, I think I do know what you mean. But um, that, at least in my book, then would not be you. It would something that it would be something that in. So you can probably build um, if you just collect enough data from from me. You can probably build a model of me that reacts in ninety nine percent or ninety nine point nine percent of the cases reacts very or even exactly similar to me, right? But from my internal state, I don't think this would then be me. So this would, okay. for example, not be something that I would be interested at all. I understand. In, okay. Right. So and and and. I think the difference usually boils down. I mean, you know, after a few glasses of wine at some conferences, these discussions happen, right? So um, would that be you? Would it not be you? Would you care about this thing? And some thought experiments and so on and so on. And I think the main difference between different parties you argue are uh, there's a group of people that, and, and I, don't, I don't know if I can describe this well, and it's not super easy to describe it well. I think the group of people who usually argues for what you just proposed are the people who have more an outward look on themselves and they care about what what their personality what what the impact of their personality and themselves on the world is and they then for them it's fine if it's 99.9% acting like myself then it is by their intents and purposes by all intents and purposes for them it is you right whereas the other group and that's the group i'm i'm part of i would argue um they usually take more an internal view of they don't really care what the the impact on the world is they care about more an internal kind of continuous state and um but, but these are not even like, if it's I, 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 yeah. I, I won't. I, I, I'm not saying these are fully formed arguments that I can defend into yeah, all like edges of uh, logic and so on. But I think like this is kind of yes. the this is a high level description of what the what the difference is. Um, yeah. 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 Glad, glad I got your opinion on this. Um, as a medical doctor, you must know that it's becoming increasingly easy, likely. Uh, feasible uh, soon probably in my uh, in my lab here to um, resuscitate extinct species I have three um, on my list here uh, the Neanderthal mammoth and dinosaurs um, maybe you can talk about like the, the technical um, you know feasibility of this but, but what most interests me is do you think we should slash have to resuscitate them because we kill them I mean, we didn't kill them, right? Um, well, well, we did kill them. Yeah, I mean, yeah, not, but, not but the dinosaurs, but Neanderthals. We definitely yeah, actually yeah, no, no. like, like yeah, like, or evolution killed them, or, or something. Like, um, I mean, well, what, what do you mean by what do you mean by um, should we? Right? I mean, what what's, what I exactly the, mean is that I mean, what's the value yeah. function that we're optimizing for? Or, or yeah, um, I mean, you know, there are people who who like to you know um, preserve uh, you know uh, pristine environments and you know the, the rainforest, and, yeah. I'm, and I'm one of them. And uh, you can argue, you know, uh, it's, it's the kind of the extension of that, right? Mammoths. Uh, I mean, of course, if you, this tundra. Yeah, if you if you argue that biodiversity is a value that we that is important, then yes, we should, right? If you if you have any other value function that you want to optimize for, then I would argue, well, it's neutral or no, we shouldn't, right? So, for example, if, if your value function is current happiness of, of you know, some utilitarianism um, kind of function, then we probably don't need to spend resources on that, right? Um, so it's, well, it's, it's, if, so, if they have a happy life, right? then, then you actually have to, right? 
Like if you can create Neanderthals who yeah, 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 but, but feel welcome in our world, then uh... sure, sure, sure. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. If you, if you, um, but it becomes very difficult. So, so I, I think it's very difficult to argue if we should do that. Um, I mean, if it's possible, we will do that, right? I mean, there's no, there's no well, well, exactly like somebody somewhere down the line. I mean, this is gonna to like if once this is possible, this is gonna happen. Right, somewhere like there's there's no way way around that, right? But if we as humanity should, I don't know. Okay. Like, um, it depends okay. on what kind of. I think it depends on what kind of what kind of value function you want to optimize for. Mm-hmm. Um, you are the director of a zoo, and you have the option to uh, create a T Rex. Uh, do you do that? <laughs> I mean, if I can decide on my own, of course I do that. I mean, yeah. my zoo is gonna be, my zoo is gonna be, you know, that's, it's gonna be the best zoo in the world. And what about existential risks? Do you think a lot about existential risks? And what are your top three candidates? So, um, I personally, yes, I think about those, but just from a, you know, this discussion, you know, thought experiment discussion group. So it's it's not, I, I don't, I don't do anything practically speaking. I mean, it's not really true. So, so maybe two things. So, so. First of all, I'm I'm working on on this biostasis problem or this cryopreservation problem because from my point of view, you know, we everybody who's currently alive drives, you know, it, it, we're basically in a car driving on a wall, and we can already see this one wall. And the wall is around like you know 85 years of age, and arguably these existential threats they are somewhere behind this wall, right? There's another wall, sure, and there's probably also um, like a cliff or whatever, right? But from my point of view, it, it makes sense to take care of this one wall be first that we already that we already know is there and we are very aware and we have also we have a timer actually when this wall for everybody comes into effect. So, and of course, people again like if you have a different value prop uh, value function, if you for example care about survival of humanity as a whole, then you might see that differently. But um, well, I see it like that. I think the other the other logic is so. I think, and I'm gonna I'm gonna publish an article on that soon. Um, I think there's there's an argument to be made that if cryopreservation becomes bigger, that these long-termist ideas are, are picking up in like will get more attention. Exactly. And the logic is is practically speaking that I think a large amount of people do not care about these long-term threats. Because they're like, then I'm not around at that point. What, exactly, what, do, exactly. what do I care about if, like, in 200 years, you know, an asteroid or whatever? Like, I won't be around then anyway, right? So why would I care? I think it's actually so, one of the biggest arguments for cryopreservation. Yeah, so, it and, makes and people I think, think the logic. Break. Yeah, the, the logic is so. If you believe that you will be around at that time, you suddenly need to care about these things, right? So if I believe, you know, I will live for let's say 500 years. Then I definitely don't want to be want to live in a world that is ravaged by climate change, right? I want to live in a world that that exists at that point, right? So suddenly all these things become tangibly important for myself, and not just theoretically for the humanity. So my argument would be if you if you promote cryopreservation or any type of other longevity things, then then people have a sign a higher chance of caring about. Um, long-term threats and problems that within their current lifetime and their current lifespan do not do not directly impact them but would impact them if they would be around or if they would plan for longer lives mm-hmm. so i think yeah, 
my my contribution here is an indirect one and not a, not necessarily a direct one but again still arguably potentially quite impactful um do you think artificial superintelligence is one of those existential threats that, that people talk about which could actually emerge well within our lifetimes yes so i'm i'm on the i'm on the camp that is so if i could stop super ai i probably would I mean, I can't, but but um, so and, and of course not not in regards to that's going to be an evil AI. It's just something that doesn't care about humanity. Just I mean, paperclip optimizer things and so on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so so since you cannot do anything about that, you might as well go for the wall and go solve the problem, which you can probably like have a better chance at solving. Which is uh, yeah. So your so life. I think I think um, maybe there's an argument to be made that you can stop the creation from super AI or like something that is paperclip optimizer like um, for the next 50 years maybe but honestly you, you I'm not deep it, enough like, in like, you can stop people from doing it this is the same well that's what I mean like, like you, know, you, you can stop it being created like I'm, I'm but well, how are you going to stop people from making a Neanderthal in a, in a lab that you don't know where it is right well you can easily do that right I mean so, so I mean the yeah. idea of course well, because it's probably not an easy feat, right? It's probably something where you can't do it in your basement with three people. You probably that, need another, a lab with. It's uh, another question, right? Like, is is it is it like a, a break, is it like a genius insight that you need for that? Is it like a, a yeah, bunch yeah, of, of course. Know, computing and, and power? If super like, AI, and if super AI or the generation or creating of of super AI is is a genius insight that someone can have on their laptop and then they just code it, then we have no chance. But if, on the other hand, it needs a team of, let's say, whatever, 5,000 uh, engineers, well, then we have a chance of not, not doing it. But True. I, as a disclaimer, I'm not deep enough in any of the, the super AI or even AI or machine learning or any of that research to make any, um, to make any, fund- or any, any clear claims here. Um, but, but um, yeah, so, I, so, so for, for me... Um, I, I, yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm more in the camp that feels like this is this is an existential threat. I mean, it's definitely an existential threat. The problem, the, the question is about how high is the probability that it it goes wrong. But it's definitely a threat. And how bad is it going to be, right? Because it might as well be yeah. good. I'm, yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm off of the camp that actually think that I think it will probably bring more good than bad because uh, you know I can definitely see how this will be just something that doesn't care about humans like the same way we do not care about ants today mm-hmm. um, so yeah why would it care about us but at the same time I don't know I just feel like if there's something more intelligent more complex in thought than us it's it's also going to be you know somehow better somehow like more more complex yeah I, I, but I'm, I think I feel like all these arguments kind of rely on the fact that you and me and we with our very limited brains can predict anything how how a thing that is a million times or a billion times or whatever more intelligent thinks. And and my point is I think I, I'm not arguing it's evil or anything. I feel like this is on a level of where I mean, there's this example of an ant looking up to a plane, right? I mean, it, it, it just have there, there's. I think we don't have a concept of it, right? So, exactly. so any argument we made, make, and again, there's probably someone who knows way, way, way more about the research and actually can give a good counter argument here. But from my point of view, um, we just have no chance of um, uh, understanding how a super AI, meaning a million times more intelligent or whatever um reasons or 
you know yeah uh, its yeah. concepts so, are gonna be that, that's yeah, orders of magnitude uh, like more complex and uh, uh, the same way as an ant cannot think about a plane or uh, for an ant it not go as far as call this something like a god right because and you don't you, even need to take a plane and and right you can you, you can take a monkey right something that is already pretty intelligent and pretty close to us or whatever right and um if we show them uh, whatever like a plane they, 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 it's not a concept that they I think would be it's, able to understand actually, for them it's magic exactly like like our phones like like yeah. uh, all the technology we use and uh, so yeah we would create i think by many definitions god so so yeah um, by, by by sure by and and um if, if I can choose, yeah. If I can choose to spawn it or not, I would also definitely choose to keep it in Pandora's box. But if it gets out, can, I'm, right? I'm not not certain it's going to be. Uh, oh, I'm not certain. I, I, I think like, I'm, I'm... I think there's like a high probability it's actually going to be somehow beneficial. Okay, that I don't know, but but so I I would say this is in the realm of unknowable things almost. And again, it is, like it with my, there's probably people who know way more about it and would say, yeah, well, yeah. this is actually not true. And um, I would not be able to argue um, against that because it's, it's really not my field. It's, an, it's again, it's a, it's a red wine discussion in the evening that, that is exactly. fun, but I, I don't know enough about it. And uh, I think I have two or three more questions uh, sure. that are like uh, directed to you. And after that, if you feel like we can have the, the red wine conversation, uh, I also want to ask you at this point, like, are there any questions that you want me to ask you or stuff that you want to say to like promote your company? Um, not, not really. Cause I've been, I might, my, I, I don't like to promote this company too much. So, so at least not in a, in a, so, so um, promotion here works, making people aware of it and telling them what it is and what it isn't. Right. And then a certain amount of people will decide, Hey, this is something I want to do. Right, but um, I'm, I'm I, I do not want to you know in quotation marks push this or oversell yeah, it or sure. anything in that regard. So so promotion here works, making people aware of it, and making them aware of it that this is first of all a tangible thing that they can have right now. Also making them aware of it that this is nowhere nowhere near a guarantee and that you can't currently resuscitate people. And then last but not least, making them aware that this is something that is actually affordable for someone who who might want to do it right so it's not prohibitively expensive or anything um but apart from that uh, that's that's all the promotion i think i want to do i understand um Gattaca is here you know the film Gattaca, where basically yeah. parents can choose the traits of their kids so uh we are headed to that kind of world and and um and maybe yep. not your kids but the kids of your kids will definitely have some kind of you know, questions asked like, "Hmm, really? Can we can we eliminate this and this and this disease?" Then they would be cruel not to, right? Um, sure. As a medical doctor, um, have you been following the, the developments on this and how much is possible to do? How much genetical engineering and uh, genetical engineering on the embryo uh, is possible, and how much of that should we do? Mm-hmm. Um, so um, I, I, I'm not I'm not super up to date what you can do right now. I know that you can do. I'm not sure if you can even. I think I have like, read what, on, on what is being that, done right now. But yeah, um, some people have uh, read about it, and apparently it's mm. it's one IQ points, like one to two IQ points. If you put, put everything together that you can do today. Okay, um, maybe, but I don't think this is it is being done. Maybe you can theoretically do it, but I'm not no, aware that this is yeah. no, like the stuff you can do today. To the ninth. No, no, I know, but the question is: Is it done? Like, can do is of course one part, but. Is, no, is you can like walk into ha- a shop has a baby and tell been born to... with these with these modifications? 
I mean, a lot of people are born already today with modifications. Like, you know, uh, certain embryos are selected from, you know, 10 Oh, yeah, selection. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, so in any case, like uh, regardless of what is possible right now, I mean, this will definitely be a thing that will be done in the future. And um, if we're talking about... So, so generally, I'm... I'm, I'm I'm a proponent of these things, right? So, because so so my my value function is basically okay. So how can we build a better world, right? By metrics yeah, like yeah. child mortality, by metrics like uh, poverty lines, by metrics about of of equality and so on, right? So um, the the so so for example, if the question is okay, so we know that this this embryo or this this cell has a has a would lead to some disease. Uh, or some inherited um, illness, then absolutely we should change that. Like, um, I mean, the, the idea is, of course, always like, okay, we, we can't meddle with, with nature or whatever. I mean, we're meddling with nature every day. Like, every operation is meddling with nature, yeah, right? Yeah. I mean, getting open heart surgery or getting a heart transplant is not nature by any <laughs> means, right? So I think what people usually co- confuse is um, nature is whatever is possible right now. Right, and everything that is not possible, that might be possible, is currently not nature. But then, when it becomes or normal, right, nature, normal, whatever, yeah. right. Um, but then, once it becomes possible, then suddenly, yeah, that 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 is now fine, right. I mean, I'm I'm quite I'm quite certain that that doctors, you know, or even the population, like you know, ten years before the first heart transplantation, if you would, if you would have done a survey on the street and said, hey, you know, what do you think about you know taking a heart and like from a diseased person and putting it into another person so that that person can live on. People would have probably said, whoa, this is super weird. Like, let's not, let's not do this, right? Yeah, and of course, now it's a standard operation and no one would want to miss it. So I think like arguing from first principle is, is, is pretty important and also thinking about, okay, so what, what, what option or what, what, what value function do I want to optimize for? And at least in, a, in some arguments here, I feel like um, a lot of gene editing and so on would potentially be a positive, would have a positive outcome. I'd like to wrap up with an overrated, underrated section. I think it will take, oh, depending on how, how fast you can uh, bust the answer I can be very fast, I guess. Okay, so uh, I just need a word. Uh, overrated or underrated. What do you think about online dating? Uh, it's underrated. Having kids. Uh, <laughs> neutral it's a very personal decision I have no idea university studies um, probably uh, fairly rated but with other structures probably overrated with other like education structures and with a different system that also takes someone who you know offers someone a job who doesn't have university degrees so uh, theoretically probably uh, overrated practically um, just rated just fine Okay, okay. You. Very over it. I don't know. Like, it's difficult to say. Liberal democracy. Um, depending on what you want to optimize for. I mean, I mean, um, I, 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 well, I feel you know, like... Huh? Flourishing of humans, like... Uh, flourishing of humans. It's a very... It's, it does, I mean, we can, we can discuss an hour about that. Um, it's, it's very difficult to say, right? Um... Because I can come up with some some examples where where um, other forms of government are um, are are performing better, right? But then again, I would not want to change with those. So so um, probably underrated. In, in um, yeah, difficult to say. Probably underrated. Okay. Our duty to our parents. 
zero overrated. <laughs> There's no duty to our parents. Cultural differences. Uh, cultural differences. Is this overrated or underrated? I mean, it's over. I think it's overrated. Like this is. I think this should be le like. I don't know. Like I don't think there's a there's a problem with it or anything. Like not like. Um, I think there's more more like there's more discussion about it than um, there needs to be. I mean, let, let people be however they want to be. Adventure. Uh, underrated. Some are easy. Some are, some are, <laughs> some yeah, are neutral. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Say again. Yeah. Um, and here's the last one. Hedonism. Uh, personally, I think overrated, but uh, some people I think would say underrated. I, I, I don't know. Like, uh, I, I'm more like, you know, you have a goal, like a mission-driven. I'm, I'm more of a mission-driven person and a, and a, and a vision and, and goal-driven person. So for me, uh -huh. I would say overrated. All right. Thanks. That wraps it up. Thank you so much for your time and your Same. Happy. Great talking to you. Thanks. All right. Talk to you soon. Bye bye.